king, an obsession. Journey into the world of Iskorda and travel along with the boy from that way as he embarks on a quest to return to the very depths of the nightmare that brought him through the white door. Join us once more as we step through the white door. Listening as we return to the boy from that way as he makes his way across this new and mysterious land with his new friends Taylor the Taylor and Sad Prince Eric. It's time now for Chapter 7, Some Men Drown Themselves. Eisen was having a hard time focusing on where the voices were coming from. The boy's eyes were open, but for some reason everything felt so blurry and distorted. Through the dying firelight, he could make out a few figures standing near the tailor's wagon. After a few moments, the boy could make out two or three people huddled around the rear entrance of the wagon. The boy sat up just in time to see the tailor strutting across a rock-peppered path towards the strangers. Isaac's mind was still foggy from the deep sleep he had suddenly woken from. Aye, boys, how can I be of service at this hour, the tailor said sternly, stopping a few feet from the men. The three of them turned their attention immediately to the tailor. One of them scoffed. <laughs> Isaac had never actually heard a scoff, but was sure that that was one. One of the men took a few steps forward, drawing a shiny blade as he did. The tailor held his ground, only moving his hand to a hardened leather bag on his left side. Isaac remained motionless, still trying to comprehend the fact that he wasn't dreaming. This be your wheeled cabin merchant? The stranger said, pointing his unarmed hand back at the covered wagon. His voice was as prickly as his five o'clock shadow. It is, and will remain that way if I can say, without being too rude to imply that you intend on other courses of action, replied the tailor sternly. In the silence between them, Taylor the tailor withdrew a six-inch threaded needle. The needle appeared to be threaded with steel wire, which itself ran down into the hardened leather pouch at his side. Before the stranger could even reply, an explosion of movement coupled with loud yelling came from the wagon. Eisen looked away from the tailor in time to see Prince Eric midair, sword raised over his head, lunging at the bandits. By the time Eisen realized what was happening, one of the strangers lay dead with the snarling prince's blade in him down the ribs. Eisen shot up from his bed at this point, though once he did, he had no idea why. Time seemed to slow down as he reached over and snatched up the leather pixie pouch. Guys, guys, get up. I need you, he said frantically, shaking the bag with his nervous hands as he fumbled to open it. Once open, the boy could see all the pixies passed out in a pile at the bottom. Little mugs littered the pile of pixies, and an intense scent of alcohol hit the boy. He shook the bag frantically again. From somewhere within the pile of passed out pixies, the voice mumbled. Buzz off, little bees. Uh, yeah, when I see Gordon, I'm going to... Clip his wings, came another voice. Hey, go soak your head. Never could handle the stuff. Whose foot is this? Came Gordon. You could hear his voice, but could not see him. Aye, that be my foot. And if you do so much as smudge the gloss on me boots, I will come at you like a mama blue jay. Said another muffled voice from down in the pouch. 
Eisen dropped the bag after giving it a stern shaking to show his anger at the drunken and very useless pixies. He looked up first at the wagon, then over to Taylor and the stranger that had initially drawn the blade. The bandit turned to see what happened behind him, and when he did this, Taylor rushed him. Eisen watched as Taylor ran up quickly on the stranger, disarmed him, then grabbed his left arm and pushed it over top of his right. With astonishing speed, in truth, it was so fast that Eisen wasn't really sure what he saw. The tailor sewed the stranger's sleeves together and proceeded to come over the top with several overhand punches to the man's face. The steel wire held fast as Eisen watched the stranger unsuccessfully try and break free. All while taking multiple fists to the face from the arranged stranger. Within moments, the two fell to the ground, the tailor firing shots all the while. Eisen turned his attention back to the covered wagon. The prince was on his feet, though the boy noticed that his pants were now stained and soaked with what could only be his own blood. The other man had a sickle drawn, and Eisen could see the blood fleck on both the blade and the face of the man. The prince looked lurched forward, and Eisen watched the man sidestep the prince's attack, sticking his sickle deep in between Eric's ribs. The man held the prince, pulling him in close. Eric dropped his blade, and to Eisen, it almost appeared as if the two men were hugging. The man looked over Eric's shoulder and into Eisen's eyes and smiled deeply. Terror filled the boy's mind as Prince Eric slid to the ground, dead between them. The boy turned to run, then felt the ground rush up towards him. A bright pain shot up his leg as he struggled to catch up with what exactly was happening. He felt his hand brush a tombstone, and grabbing it, he pulled himself up amidst a blur of motion and color. Eisen felt dazed, and though he heard the tailor's voice, he simply could not catch his bearing. He leaned heavily on the tombstone before his legs gave out and he crumpled back to the ground. It was then that Eisen saw blood, his blood. Instantly, his leg began to burn. Clean through the calf was a sickle blade. Eisen looked down in half horror, half amazement. Instinct told him to find the tailor, which pulled the boy's attention from his wound to the area by the wagon. Even if he was hurt, he was still alive. Looking back at the sickle in his leg, he felt loneliness really grab him since he first came to this place. That, and the pain. The damaged boy called out weakly to the tailor. You're alright, boy, Taylor replied between heavy breaths, still engaged. The last one tossed a sickle at me, caught me in the leg. The tailor t got to his feet, looked down at the other. I saw. It was a wonderful throw, he added. Gee, thanks. Is Eric dead? Eric is dead. I just stood up and using the tombstones managed to stumble his way over to where the tailor was. <clears throat> Three bodies lay strewn on the ground. Eisen saw the first man, who had been taken by surprise by the prince's raging and inspiring battle leap from the back of the covered wagon. The bandit was partway cut down the middle and Eisen had a hard time discerning the bandit's face from the rest of the garbled mess. The wound seemed much more severe up close, and Isaac could see much of the man's insides. It was the first time he had really seen it, and oddly enough to him, he felt much less sickened by the sight than he figured he would be. The second man lay face down over top of the body of the prince. Isaac knelt down to pull it off of him and was startled when the body lurched and something warm hit him in the face. Isaac felt it. It was blood. Prince Eric was moving a bit, and he flailed to get the other man's body off him. Both Eisen and the tailor pitched in, though both of them felt a touch of sadness dot their souls, knowing there was no way the prince would pull through. Slowly the tailor knelt down and propped the prince up. 
Eisen barely knew him, but sadness gripped him and his throat grew quite tight. The ocean, Eric sputtered quietly, blood sprang from his lips. Take me to the ocean. That is where I sleep forever, for I love her. Then, Prince Eric died. Eisen stood frozen, waiting for the prince to just get up and brush it all off. No big deal. However, he and the tailor both knew in their hearts that Eric was gone beyond their power to save. Though their time together was short, Eisen felt his willpower shatter in the true face of death, and he cried. He had never seen anyone die. He had never watched the light leave. His heart hurt so bad that he forgot all about the sickle blade that yet still remained buried in his lower leg. The tailor stood, gently laying Prince Eric to the ground as he did. Eisen stood with open arms, the streaming tears now dripping from the boy's chin from the front of his shirt, mixing with the blood. You okay, lad? Taylor said softly. Why did he do that, Taylor? He should have just stayed quiet in the wagon. He was a wounded bird, boy, incapable of flight. His spirit craved what he could no longer have, and suddenly life felt a lot grayer. He put a hand gently on the boy's shoulder. This caused Eisen to burst full into tears, and he grasped openly in the air for a moment until he pulled himself into the tailor's embrace. Young boy cried deeply into the robe to the tailor for many moments. Deep tears for deep purple. You see me, Hardy. Some men, well, they just get so overwhelmed by things. Some men, once they swim out into the depths of sadness, madness, and lost, some men just drown themselves. They get tired of merely staying afloat. Taylor hugged the boy deeply as he said this. He could feel the tears streaming down. Look, I traveled many a mile with Eric, and he was a good man. I write example of the results of a true chaotic love. His love was as turbulent as the waves his lover came from. I think we should give him what he wants. We should put his soul to rest. Eric jumped from that wagon into the face of death. In doing so, he could have possibly saved us, saved us all, and I think we owe it to him to do as he asked. The tailor said this, a single strong tear rolling down his cheek. Taylor explained the fulfilling Prince Eric wish would add an additional two days to their journey to Dristal. However, they were in no strong hurry. Taylor was almost positive his recent employer didn't expect him for a while yet, and even if he did, work could wait. Anyone could wait, especially for his skill. Eisen agreed that this was the wisest course of action, and after some instruction from Taylor, set about boiling up some water to clean the wound in his leg. The tailor checked on his wife before searching the would-be thieves for anything of use or value. Aside from a couple of brass coins, and oddly enough, a few pair of women's leggings, the bandits had nothing really of interest. Eisen, however, made sure to take one of the robber's swords, sheath, and belt. The boy didn't want to be caught unarmed after what he had seen so far in this world of pigs-eating cats and tailors with profession-oriented battle skills, needles, and combat. Isaac sat down near the fire he had just prodded back into existence. It was the first time he felt the world slow to its usual pace since he had been yanked from sleep. Looking down at his leg, the boy couldn't help but smile a little bit. For some reason or another, he felt a little bit stronger, a little bit more of a man. Taylor had mentioned he knew a thing or two about flesh wounds and for Eisen to boil up some water. The boy looked over to the wagon where Taylor was busy putting a body in the back of the wagon. Oddly enough, it was the corpse of one of the bandits, and Eisen overheard the tailor say, It'll have to do for now. Startled, he'd almost forgotten that the tailor had his wife with him. Now that he thought about it, he hadn't rightly seen her the entire trip. He quickly lost interest in this chain of thoughts. 
and began mindlessly prodding the fire and looking at the wound. After finishing dragging the other two would-be bandit corpses off into the woods, Taylor walked over to the fire. He sat down next to the boy, who noticed several white bandages and a small metal rod in his hands. Eisen waited for the tailor to catch his breath. The boy thought about the tailor's wife, but pushed the question to the back of his mind. There were more intense matters at hand. He thought about the tailor's wife again, but only for a moment and to try to distract himself as the tailor began. Okay, boy, now this isn't going to be pleasant. You need a brace or something? He said, placing one end of the metal rod into the fire. He then threw all but one of the bandages into the boiling water. Can't say I expected to be a walk in the garden. He laughed, walking. After a few minutes, the tailor finished bandages from the hot water, squeezing the excess over the boy's wounds. He winced as the water hit his leg. It burned the skin around the wound, but he had to admit it relieved some of the actual wound's fervor. Taylor placed a few hot bandages over it so that each side of the puncture had a hot cloth on it. Taylor grasped the sickle's handle firmly in his left hand while holding the bandages with his right. You ready, boy? The tailor said, looking into his eyes. He could see that he wasn't, though Eisen replied otherwise. With one swift pull and a cry from the boy, Taylor removed the sickle from his calf. Once the blade came out, the tailor dropped it, using both hands to press firmly on each side. It didn't take too long for the bandages to go red with blood. After a minute or two, Taylor instructed Eisen to take over holding the bandages, which the boy did. Taylor grabbed the single dry bandage in one hand and removed the hot metal rod with the other. Eisen's eyes widened at seeing the glowing red end of the rod held up between them. You know what I gotta do, boy. It's just how these things work. Of course that is, you know... A properly skilled healer we could rustle up out here. Do you know any? A mage, a magician. You could also let it rot. The boy not know the tailor for long, but his actions were beginning to show him both a humorous and trustworthy individual. With a nod from the tailor, Eisen snatched back the blood-soaked hot bandages. As he did this, Taylor pressed each puncture wound with the searing hot metal rod. He screamed, the sizzling of his skin ringing loudly in his mind. As quick as it began... It was over. By the time he opened his eyes, the tailor was smiling and wrapping up the wound with dry cloth. Not so bad. Hell, boy, that's a real warrior scar you got there. Why, when I was your age, a scar like that would have bedded many a barmaid, he said, beaming. Better not let your wife hear you say such things, the boy said, though he felt a bit odd when the tailor's smile died down once his wife had been mentioned. The silence was but a second before the tailor started talking again. Those voice felt a bit weaker. Yeah. Point is, you'll be well and fine. Just take it easy on that leg. No hero moves. We best be moving from here. Who knows what they may have brought with them. We got a bit of a journey ahead of us, especially with the ocean. I'd say the nearest port town is Akinar Buckport, a day and some change to the west. If we leave now, we can put some good distance between us and this mess. We'll go to Buckport, service our friend the prince, and be back on the road to Dristol in hmm, three or four days' time. I'll send the word to my associates for our intentions. Eisen said about cleaning up camp, stopping only to rest his leg or to read the occasional tombstone. One gravestone in particular he had seen struck him. The grave itself was not overly impressive, yet for some reason it stood out amongst the rest of the old markers. It almost seemed to shine a bit against the shadows that sprawled from nearby trees and over the rest of the cemetery. It read, Bell Barisk, Here rests the flame of Rosslyn. Set to wait until the world needs lifting. 
As I knelt down and brushed away the dirt that covered the carving blew the inscription. Once the grime was removed, he could make out a hand upon a large sword hilt. The boy imagined Belboras to have been some ancient, ass-kicking hero, crushing his enemies under the title of the Flame of Frostland. Belborisk would have mauled all three of those bandits, I bet, he thought to himself as he turned away from the old marker and back to his chore of packing the camp. Just as he was putting out the fire, Palisare landed on his shoulder out of nowhere. The Pipsy knelt down and held on to the boy's shirt so as not to fall off. Isa noticed Palisare to be quite dizzy, and little Pixie's skin was much paler than usual. He steadied himself, burped, and then looked up at the boy. Uh, you needed me for something, he said, rubbing his eyes. Nah, I think the tailor and Mike have stopped the problem. Eh, tell me the story when I can hear you over this thumping in my head, eh? Palisare said. Eisen just hoped the little sprite didn't throw up on him. The boy has had his fill of body fluids for one day. An hour passed, and it came time for the party to set off towards Akinar Buckport. Taylor explained that his wife Pearlie was feeling a little ill and needed to lie down in the rear of the wagon, so Eisen was up to ride up front. This was all well and fine to Eisen. He loved the wind in his face and the smell of the landscape, yet he couldn't shake the uncomfortable thought that Taylor's wife was lying down in the wagon with two dead bodies. Pearlie must be made of stiff stuff, Eisen thought, and the boy had no idea how right he was. Join us next time for another exciting installment of The White Door. As the hunt to catch the boy from that way heats up, enemies soon descend upon the nearby town where one father will lose his life to the king's musical assassins. Don't miss chapter 8. The Last Breakfast.